Hi there and welcome back to Amplify, the Digital Marketing Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by creators, consultants and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome along. Just take a second right now to subscribe to the show in your podcast player so you don't miss new weekly episodes and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. If it's your first time joining us, then you'll probably want to join our Facebook group. Just hit the shortcut URL amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be right there. Everyone is different and we all want to feel like individuals, but with email marketing, this can be really hard. We have one big list and everyone gets the same emails. This week on the show, my guests are Rob and Kennedy from Response Suite, and we're talking about segmenting, surveys, magic and mind reading, and hypnosis. So welcome along, and let's meet Rob and Kennedy. So this week, I'm delighted to welcome Rob and Kennedy to the podcast. Now, normally I let the guests introduce themselves a little bit, but these guys have a few things going on, so I'm just going to run through them a little bit. You run the Email Marketing Show podcast. You run a SaaS company called Response Suite. And most interestingly, you're one of you stage mind reader and the other one stage hypnotist. So with the stage mind reader in mind, what's my next question? <laughs> it's going to be how on earth did you end up going from being an entertainer into being email marketing experts and having a SaaS platform? You got it absolutely right. I'm so impressed. <laughs> You'd think we'd prepared it. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, when I look from the outside, it is a, an odd, bizarre, very intriguing mix. So I really would like to know what, 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 what happened. So one of the big things that we get asked all the time is, oh, did that, you know, that entertainment thing, they think that was probably a bit of a hobby and maybe it doesn't work out. As entertainers, you do often get asked things like, do you do all right with this? You know, or like the people think What's you've got your a job. Full, yeah, they think you've got a full-time <laughs> job and then do that on evenings and weekends. We've been doing the entertainment thing pretty much our entire lives, got into it as kids. We That's how we became friends. And then about eight, 17 years ago, we went full-time at it in our own independent way. I was off hypnotizing people at events and theaters and stuff. Kennedy performing his mind reading show for awards, dinners and banks quits and all that stuff and along the way we realized that that is having a business it's funny it's it's show business obviously but a lot of people think that you get you get like a ma- you get an agent that's the first thing you get an agent and then you, your, your career takes off but actually that's not how it works at all being an entertainer is just like it's just like a business just like being a plumber or a plasterer or anything else and i think so, of myself as a plumber sometimes <laughs> yes, i want to feel a like pl- a grown-up we are a pair of plums so what you have to do is you have to do, uh you have to work out how do i get clients how do i, I pl- say you had a blockage there no <laughs> i didn't go there um you have to work out how do i get clients how do i put my fee up how do I make the cash flow of my business work? How do I do accounts? You have to answer all the same questions that you have to answer with any other business. And so we did for a long time, as best mates, just never talk about the intricacies of the business side of performing. We'd swap ideas for the shows and Kennedy helps me write my show and all that stuff. But we we never really talked about the business side of it, but we're both really interested in it. And you have to be because otherwise you do just end up with a, a business that is a hobby. And so along the way, we realized, God, we've got quite good at this marketing stuff and part Part of that was having email list full of customers. So everyone who inquires about having you perform at their event, they become a, a person on your list.
interest. Um, everybody who want, gets on your website, they can opt into a newsletter and then they can pay attention to where you're going to be performing and all that, those things. Now you've got to do email marketing to them. So actually, in order for us to have an audience to go out and perform in front of, we've got to get good at the marketing bit. And that's what we spent a long time doing in the early bit of our, in the early bit of our entertainment career so that we could stand out from other entertainers. Now, along the way, this also meant that we had loads of free time because as an entertainer, you spend a lot of time on the road, either in the car or on trains or planes or waiting in hotels or departure lounges. And both of us, again, independently, just wanted something else to do to fill in some of that time. And we realized that actually we had knowledge and skills that we'd acquired through being a mind reader and a hypnotist that we could share with other people. That led to us creating online courses that we would sell about hypnosis or about getting booked as an entertainer in Kennedy's case. And that went really well. And again, it furthered our need to be good at email marketing. And so we've spent the last sort of probably realistically, probably the last 15 years getting really good in our opinion, humble opinion, at email marketing. And then fairly recently, much more recently than that, that led to us having some other problems that we needed a piece of software to solve. That bit of software didn't exist. So we did what two entrepreneurial performers would do and said, huh, should we start a new company and make a piece of software? Because we can, you know, one of the luxuries, I suppose, of being an entertainer, luxury and a curse is you can do a lot of time traveling to do like an hour's show on stage. Like just a few days ago, I went to the Seychelles, 20 hours of traveling there, 20 hours of traveling back. And I did 45 minutes on stage and uh, that's just the way it is. So we realized we, you know, it gives us lots of time to do other things. And, and that's the sort of the little stage step journey we came on. The so thing that this all has in common though, is that our entire, our, our whole types of entertainment are about understanding people, how they think and how they do things. And that now we apply that to marketing, email marketing, and, and all the related things. I think I want to dive into the SaaS product and email marketing in a little bit, but I want to roll back to something you said right at the beginning there. With a lot of guests, they say, I was I was an early entrepreneur from an early age. I, I had, to use the Americanism, a lemonade stand. What you said, a couple of kids, very early, hypnosis, mind reading. What? How, how does that happen? That's not normal. How do you how do you get into that as a kid? Yeah. So the first thing is I can say from my perspective, I definitely wasn't the entrepreneurial kid. I didn't want you know to build a huge company or any of those things. I definitely wasn't me. Uh, Kennedy did though. You had a first business at school, didn't you? Writing. <laughs> yes, I did. can't believe you just brought this up. Yes, I did have a little business at school. I used to. I ha I have quite. I have always had quite neat handwriting so i would write excuse notes for my friends who did not want to do like pe and sports and i would charge them 50p to write them at the end out. mrs dixon yeah, like that was that exactly. as, as, that was as, as somebody's yeah. parent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you did, but uh, no, I never had an entrepreneurial book. Probably you brought that up. The major thing was so um, we and we've talked about this at length on some other podcasts, but we are sort of um, both quite at the time. Certainly at school, I was very shy, didn't really fit in. I had some friends, but like I wasn't like the really cool, popular kid. Um, and so I decided to learn magic tricks because uh, that makes you really cool. <laughs> and so I got into magic and then eventually that, and, and I wanted to be an entertainer. I knew very, very quickly in my life that actually my, I feel like I was born. If you, if you're born to do something, I was born to, to be an entertainer. That's all I ever wanted to do. And, um, so Again, as a kid, Kennedy saw a guy on the television who could apparently walk on stage and pluck thoughts out of people's minds. I something to think of their first pet and tell them what it was called. You know, we're not talking about talking to the dead here. And uh, so we both, we met at a magician's convention because again, there's a lot of crossover between my world and his world and the magic world. 
And so that was that was how we got into that space. And it's the only thing we've ever done apart from start these other companies. So we've never had a job. We've never been a barista or flip burgers. You know, we, we literally left school. Uh, you went to university. I did my A-levels. And then we both just became entertainers. So let's look at Response Suite then. Tell me a little bit about what it is. I mean, I've, I've had a look around of it, some walkthrough videos. But for anybody who's not familiar with Response Suite, who is it for? What does it do? How might people use it? That kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, who it's for is very much if you take expertise or information and you package them either as a course, as a membership site, as a coaching program, that type of thing, then Response Suite was designed for those people, basically. And what it does is allows you to run a survey. So surveys can be complicated or they can be really simple. And it allows you to, rather than where traditionally, when we were trying to do this for our own businesses, our own information businesses, we were trying to get our survey business, our survey platform, which we're just using an off-the-shelf standard solution, to talk to our email marketing system. And those things don't happen. Those things do not talk to each other in general, uh, as a general rule, and certainly did not then. And which was kind of strange to me, because if you're going to run a survey to a bunch of people, whatever kind of business you're in, if you're going to run a survey, that means you end up with your customer's data in two different places. You end up with some customer information in your survey tool, because they've told you that you're good or you're bad or what they want, or you use it as an application form for your coaching program or however you're using it. And then you've also got customer data in your email marketing platform or your CRM or whatever the heck you're using. And so actually, to get a good picture of your customers, you need to look at both of those things and try and make sense of it, which is tricky. Whereas for me, and we, well, Rob and I, we both felt like all your customer data should be in one place. And that customer data should be in your CRM, your email marketing system. And that's why we built Responsibly as a survey tool where you can go online, build your own surveys with no technical knowledge whatsoever. You can build really good looking surveys with all types of questions you can ask and you can build it yourself. And then you can hook that into your email marketing platform. So you can send responses back to it. You can, anytime somebody says something in a survey, you send that back into your email marketing platform. And also you can tag them differently or you can put them onto different lists in your email marketing platform, depending on what they said in the survey. What's more is you can send them to different web pages on completing the survey, depending on their choices in the survey. And you can put them to different Facebook audiences or give them different access levels to different things in your membership site. So once you've integrated your survey with those membership levels of your list or you put people, you tag people differently in your system, it means you now can do things with that survey because traditionally surveys have been fairly useless, mostly because they've been anonymous. And even when you have collected data about somebody, about how you can identify the person and associate those responses with somebody, you can't actually activate anything to happen afterwards, which makes it so that, hey, if I did send a survey out right now and said, what did you think of this thing, of this episode of, of our podcast, The Email Marketing Show, for example, and you said, oh, I thought it was great and I love email marketing, and I want to know more, well, if I don't know if I don't know who you are or I don't activate that, I'm massively passing up on an opportunity to help you out, offer you one of our products or services and grow our business. Similarly, if I said to you, what do you think of the email marketing show? And you said, I think it's terrible and I don't identify who you are and you're not in my CRM system or my email marketing platform, I can't follow up with you and find out why you didn't like it or what we could do better or how we could serve you better. And that could be the case for your products or your service or your coaching program or your membership program. So it could be the same for any of those things. So the reason response we exists 
to summarize is is in order to use surveys to collect information that you can actually take action on rather than just hold it separately so i've i've come across surveys like you'll you'll hit a landing page on a website and it'll say are you an a b c d or e and then that triggers another range of questions that are pertinent to that response. And this is like a qualification process through the website. Is that the kind of user experience that you would expect, or is it more of a traditional survey monkey survey? So you can 100% use it for that. Personally, we found that putting the questions on the front end doesn't always get you a great result because obviously the more action somebody has to take in order to get your free thing or to get into your into your business somewhere, the less likely they are to do it. We prefer... You can 100% do that. We personally built it with the idea that as soon as somebody comes into your world because they have bought a product or they've registered for a webinar or they've inquired about having a call with you or they've done anything, they've done anything at all that means you've got their details, you would now send them a quick email and say, hey, thank you so much for doing that thing, for registering for that webinar or whatever, so that we can serve you best and make sure that everything we give you is totally, totally on point. Would you mind taking just a couple of minutes to fill out this quick survey? It's only got three or four questions. They're all multiple choice. It'll only take you a minute, two minutes tops. And then you send them a link to the survey. And then they very quickly just go through and fill in, you know, uh, take a couple of radio boxes, uh, radio buttons. I mean, you can do, uh, you know, every type of question imaginable if you want, but keep it nice and simple. They click through, they answer the questions, they hit submit, and they now land on a page where you can either make them an offer or you can just say thank you for your data or you can get them to do anything you want. And now what's really nice about it is instantly all of that data is sitting now inside your email platform with different tags or different lists, depending on how your email marketing platform works or inside the membership site, all that content's been changed or whatever it's going to be. And so now they're their ongoing experience with you is going to be totally bespoke and custom based on what they just said. So we recommend that you put it in after what we call every significant action. So after a purchase or after a webinar registration or uh, after somebody's joined the membership site or after somebody's inquired about working with you, any of those kind of things. I really like that idea because a lot of the time, especially when you've got a large volume of inquiries, and that's something I've been speaking to a few people about recently is their problem is not they don't have inquiries, but they actually have too much. So they need a process of filtering it. So that sounds like a really good way to do that. It is. What it means is the whole outcome of this is that you get to be the most relevant person to them. So the only time we disengage with anybody's ads or emails or the content in their membership site or that Facebook group you're a member of, the only time we disengage with them is when we see more stuff in there that is not relevant to us, not interesting to us, not helping us than the stuff that is doing those things. And so a really good way of doing that is to run one of these really simple quick two three four question surveys so that you can segment the people so that you know that this person here absolutely cares about x thing and i'm going to send them information about that thing whereas don't send them stuff about stuff they don't care about i really like that idea because i mean take me for example i have an email list of several thousand i'll put it that way and at the moment on that list there's corporates there's small business owners there's independent consultants it's a broad spectrum of people with a broad spectrum of needs and interests and triggers and ways that i can serve them and if i can serve them in a way that's relevant just to them and and cut out all the things that they're just not going to be getting value from that as you said it makes me much more relevant and it makes me really stand out it's amazing a really interesting thing about this is a totally different application for using a survey in your business is if you have multiple products or services that that serves each of your types of clients so you might have multiple products which are suitable for your corporate clients for example you might have a, 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 for, so for whatever it is you do and what's really interesting is 
the big realization that we have to have in our businesses, all of us, is if our customers, if every one of our customers knew just a few more of the products and services that we have to offer, we know we'd all have a bigger, more successful business and we'd be helping our customers more, right? And if that's the case, then a survey is a really interesting, non-salesy way of actually making more sales. I'll give you a quick, a quick example of a campaign in case that's useful to anybody who's listening. And that is when someone's completed a bit of work with you, they've just purchased something or they've been through your program or they've completed a, a piece of consultancy work, whatever that is. If at the end of that bit of work, you send them a very short survey that says, what did you think of the work that we just did with you? How would you rate it? And they choose. And so long as they give a, what would you you would call a satisfactory or better result to that, you present a second question, which says, which of the following other services or issues or product would be of interest to you? And now they get to choose, actively tell you, I'm also interested in this thing and that thing, Bob, and you could really help me with that thing. And because you've only listed down the things that you offer, they're now telling you which other products you can actually offer to them that they're going to appreciate hearing about and that are going to help you grow your business. And they're doing it right after they're, they're giving you a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 to say, thank you for how great the first thing was. So they could not be in more of a receptive mindset to find out, oh, what else do you do? So which CRMs do you play best with? Because it's, it sounds to me like this does kind of need to tie into a CRM of some kind, or is that part of so, response? So that's why response rate exists, uh, because we needed a survey platform that would that would have that sort of deep granular integration. So you could tag everybody in every, based on every different question. So we are, you know, we're rapidly integrating with tons of them. I mean, we already integrate with just to rattle off a few Infusionsoft, ActiveCampaign, HubSpot, GetResponse, Aweber, uh, send lane, uh, drip, drip. It's about 15. Exactly. Moment, and we but... natively, we, we actually directly interface with them. Uh, so that, that's the real power of it. I think I'll need to have a little rummage around that. I'm curious to know what your process for building it was, because I'm assuming you're not software developers. So what was your process for actually having it built? Because producing a software product when you're working with contractors is fraught with danger. And we- that's the reason. Initially, initially, we could have, and we even thought about and, and looked at, outsourcing this as a project for a few thousand dollars to some cheap labor com- country or an inter- or a company maybe somewhere else, and having them just build it. But when we realized that was the exact problem that we're going to face, that we didn't really know what we didn't know. We didn't know everything that was going to be all the intricacies of building such a platform. And that's why we hired a full-time developer to work with us here in our office, right here in Newcastle. He's actually sitting trying to block out our conversation, I'm sure, as he can. Because um, we're constantly in development. <laughs> we, we release brand new features every single. And because, so that's the way we're able to do it. And what's really interesting is we... We were quite um we were quite direct and quite tight and stringent on our recruitment process for our developer because we needed somebody who not only was incredible incredible and experienced and diverse in their development skills, but also somebody who could interpret the world of development and code and how things work into human language that allowed us to ex- and, and that they could translate in both directions so we would say what about this and then he can interpret and go well the knock-on effect of that is this and this is what it means technically and that's this and so that's how we did it so we hired a full-time person a few years ago now and uh, that's how it's all developed that's why we're able to respond to any requests that customers have pretty quickly any problems that people have where technical problems might creep in because they do across every platform I mean, look even the, like facebook and social media platforms technical problems creep in and we can fix and react to those things very very quickly and also we have 
we can get back to customers with really insightful answers because we all really understand the product. It's not a thing that somebody over there, wherever over there, over there is, built and we weren't involved in the process. We were involved in making decisions and understanding every step of it. And that was really important to us as non-tech people. I, th- I think you made exactly the right decision there because I've been involved in the development of that kind of product, not specifically that kind of product in the past. And it is really, really challenging. So you're absolutely right. Finding the right person and having absolute control of that is is the only real way to do it so with response suite i'm curious to know and a a lot of the time you really understand how you can deploy something through examples so i'm curious to know do you have any really good examples of some creative ways people have used your product yeah so we can rattle off a couple of those Uh, for example we've got a client who is a social media genius and she helps people to do better job of social media and she's pretty good on pretty much all of the platforms obviously she's got ones that she's particularly good at but she's pretty pretty good with helping people on all of them and she had a sort of free check checklist cheat sheet thing that she used to give away as a lead magnet to build her list and it was something like i can't remember exactly but something like 15 step checklist for social media managers or something and people would land on the landing page and she nailed it with facebook ads nothing to do with us just did an amazing job straight out the gate with facebook ads the ad spoke to the audience she was getting opt-ins at a really good price just worked perfectly and as they started to come in she started doing a couple of free webinars not to sell anything just to get to understand that audience a little bit as she got her first few thousand subscribers and the first thing that she stumbled across as she was doing that webinar those webinars was that she had four different types of people in her audience now she had people who did social media within a business that was their job they were employed to do that she had people who were freelancers doing social media for other people She had people who were entrepreneurs who just wanted to be better at social media. And she had people who were uh, agencies. And so those are the four types of people she's got. And then on top of that, she realized that some of them have problems with creating content. Some of them have problems with time management and productivity of content creation. Some of them have problems with getting followers. Some of them don't know how to monetize their social media. So now she's got four different types of people suffering from, I think, a total of about eight different potential problems. And then to make that even worse, obviously there's a million social media platforms now. And so she helps people with a bunch of them, but their their interests varied across probably six or seven different platforms. So now she's got this matrix of a problem where she's got four different types of people with probably eight different problems and a bunch of different platforms where they all have slightly different algorithms and need to be worked with differently. So she sort of got to a point where she said, well, how can I log into my email platform and send out emails where I just select my audience and send them an email that is totally relevant. You know, I'm not going to email people who only market on Pinterest about the new Instagram uh, algorithm update. And so that was her major problem. So what we did was we did what I described before, which is to pop a, an alpha survey, as we call it. It's like the, the first bit of survey that you see, it goes in after any uh, intentional big action. So as soon as people opt in for that free thing on the thank you page, now rather than trying to sell them anything, because if you try and sell somebody something at that point, it's just a guess. You're just saying, I think you might be interested in this based on the tiny little thing I know about you. And the tiny thing I know about you is you were interested enough to give me your email address. So instead of selling them something there and then, instead it says, great, thank you so much. We'll send that to your email inbox. And then in that email, not only do they have a link to the free thing, but also a link to this survey where they go ahead and fill it out. Now, as soon as people fill out that survey, it takes them straight to a page where she says, thanks so much for filling out that survey. That's really going to help me. Now, 
one of the big problems I know lots of people suffer from, and then she can sell them the exact thing that they need to solve their exact problem that they have just told her that they need. And the conversions on that as, a, as an upsell are much, much higher than a sort of randomly guessed one. And she has, you know, a bunch of different products that will fit a bunch of the different demographics from the survey. But furthermore, whether people buy that product or not, and lots of them do, that now means that every time she logs into her email platform to email people about something to do with Instagram, she only has to pull up the one that is about Instagram. If she's emailing about how to get more clients, there's no point in sending that to, uh, you know, she can send that to the agency people or the freelancer people. There's no point in sending that to the person who's employed in a social media role within a business. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's I great, really like that. That's one great usage uh, for sure. Another one is uh, as soon as somebody registers for a webinar. Yeah, I mean, we did we we ran a little test on one of our own webinars initially before other customers started impl implementing this. If you run like a live event, a networking event that people are coming to for free, a live event that people are coming to and they're paying for, or an online event, so these seminar, these virtual summits, these webinars, that kind of thing, then obviously what you really want to do is increase the number of people who show up to these things. A really simple way of doing that is once someone registers for it, ask them of the three major points that you're going to cover in the in that session in that tutorial in that class what is the one which which of those three is the one they care about most and then you change your show up sequence to get them from the day of registering to showing up depending on which one they care about most so if they care if it was i'm going to talk about traffic i'm going to talk about conversion and i'm going to talk about maximizing lifetime customer value if the person only cares about maximizing customer value Every email you send them to remind them to come to the webinar, to show up to the event will be, oh, remember, here's something else we're going to teach you about maximizing customer value. Here's something else. So you only talk to them about the thing they most care about. Again, it's about relevance. Whereas at the same time, somebody else is getting a show up sequence to encourage them to show up to the same event, but from a different angle. And there's probably only going to be three angles for that. So it's not tons more work, but the you'll see a significant boost in the number of people who end up showing up. Here's a really simple final application for this, right? If you have an application form for what you do, so maybe you are a consultant or you do strategy on something, you're a social media consultant, something like that. If you have an application form or you don't have an application form, then this could be massive for you because what a lot of people do, I saw this in a Facebook group I was looking at just this morning, and that is people say, oh, well, I just let people book a, a call with me, like a 10 or 15 minute call with me through my calendar or Calendly or some kind of tool like that where they can have like a pre-call with me and I can see if they're qualified. Hang on. That mm. means you're wasting loads of time with people who might not be qualified. Not just your time, their time. Their time too. So instead, have a really simple survey in which you ask, three or four questions and each of the questions are multiple choice and one at least one of the choices in each of those is a disqualifier which lets you know if a person chooses that then they're not at the right stage whether they're too early or too late in their stage of business or they're not in the right phase or they don't need the right kind of help that I can help them out with and if they choose those things when they hit submit and you can do this with Response Suite and maybe some other platforms too, you can take them to a different page depending on what their choices are. So if they chose a disqualifier quest answer, response, and they said, actually, it chose, I don't know, I'm in an early stage of my business, but you only help people with exiting their business, they would go to a page on hit and submit, which says, thanks for filling out the, the application form to, to have a call with me. It looks like you're actually not on the right stage of business for me to waste, waste your time having a chat with you, but here's some resources you could go and check out. 
So you don't end up allowing them to go and book it in your calendar. Whereas people who are at the right stage, that thank you page when they hit submit on the survey, they end up seeing a page which says a video of you, which says, sounds like you're a perfect match. Let's have a chat. Let's, time for, let's, let's organize a time for a chat. So you end up giving a better experience and you spend more time with really qualified people who you can really genuinely help. I think what's really interesting listening to both of you describe the use cases there is it ties back so neatly to your early interests, the, the mind reading and the hypnosis, because really what's summed up within that interest is an enthusiasm for the, the art and the science of influence. Not, not just influence, but I would say understanding is much more important than influence. People think influence yes. is the skill you really need to have. Actually, if you just get a better understanding of human beings, your life will be better. If you understand your customers and prospective customers better, then you're going to have a better business and you're going to have a better reputation for selling only relevant stuff rather than spamming people or whatever the hell people, you know, oh, that person sells too much. Well, usually we think that because they're telling us about stuff we're not interested in. If they were just offering solutions to the problems we've got, then we'd say that person's really helpful. So very quickly, I have um, there. There are a few places I want to go still, and I, I don't want to overrun our time. So one thing that popped into my head, which I wasn't sure about, uh, you could probably help me on, is what sort of conversion rates are normal when people receive these invitations to perform a survey. This is complicated, and it's only complicated for one one tiny reason, and that is it depends on what you do in the setup of that survey. So actually, it depends on three phases. One, expectation. So is the person expecting to ever receive a survey from you? And the way you set that up is because if, if a survey comes along as a surprise, then you're going to see a lower completion rate. So for example, uh, we've got some clients who are in the travel industry. And when they when they're chatting with somebody and they say, "Hey, I would really want some help with uh, booking a trip that I'm going to I'm going to go to China," and you say, "Great, tell me a bit about a bit more about what it is you're trying to do on this trip," and they sort of list off all the things they'd like to do on this lovely, exciting trip to China, and then you just say something as simple as this: "Well, you know, we after every holiday, when someone comes back from one of their holidays or their vacations." we send out a customer survey and people fill those out. And based on what you've told me, the best feedback we get is from this trip to the Great Wall. And then they do this and they do this and they do this. So what we've done is we've sort of, it's it's called foreshadowing. It can be called, uh, it can be pre-framing, whatever you want to call it, is we've made it so there's a slight nudge and expectation without directly saying we expect it, but there is a, a little nudge that they're going to receive a survey. So later when they do receive the survey, it's kind of like, oh yeah, they said they're, they're, they're going to send surveys. So one of the big reasons you see low completion rates on surveys is because it's a surprise and it comes after people think the transaction is complete. Now, there's an interesting thing here where I was speaking at, there's a, um, an exhibition, like a trade, a marketing and business trade show. And I was speaking there about uh, email marketing and stuff. And one of the things that happened was when people registered to say, I'd like to t attend that session, they said there was a GDPR compliant box that said, please pass my details onto the speaker so that we can hear from him. And so I got a list of people from the organizers saying, please drop these people an email to say you're looking forward to seeing them. So I put them into our email platform and I typed up a quick email and said, thank you so much for registering for my session. I'm really excited to meet you. Tell you what, just to make sure I get the best possible content for you, could you fill in this quick three question survey? Sent them a link to the survey. Some people opened it, clicked it, filled it in. And then when I got to the room, I was doing the presentation and I ended up talking about surveys and response rate. And at the end, one lady in the audience put her hand up when I said, any more qu any questions? And she said, do people actually fill out surveys anymore? And I said, 
in our experience, yes, I can talk a bit more about that. But out of interest, I did send a, a survey out to anyone who registered for this session. So put your hand up if you received that email. Obviously, sometimes delivery goes awry with email platforms, but put your hand up if you received that email. 100% of the room put their hand up. So great. Out of interest, keep your hand up in the air if you filled it out. Put your hand down if you didn't fill it out. No hands went down. Even her hand was still up. So she filled the survey out and then said, do people even fill out surveys anymore? <laughs> yeah. So we are very much about keeping them generally where possible short sharp simple to the point multiple choice we got a whole bunch of tips on that sort of stuff and typically we're seeing 75 to 80 percent completion rates on surveys like that's our sort of standard and it's because of benchmark the, it's because of these three stages that first stage that i just talked about is about the expectation usually in a transaction what happens is somebody thinks the transaction is complete like i said and that means they've given you the money you've completed your service, they think that's the end. Whereas if you've set an expectation up ahead of time, there's going to be a survey. When that arrives, it's expected. The second thing is what you say in that email that asks them to go and complete the survey. You need to tell them why they should go and do it, compel them to go and do it, and tell them that how short and simple it is to fill out. So if you say it's a question survey, all you need to do is click your mouse three times and you'll have completed the survey. And I'll also give you this, or it would really help us to do that, or however you're going to compel them to do that. Then you're going to get more people clicking to it. Then when they get to the survey, if it looks good, if it means they can fill it out in three clicks and they're done, again, all three of those points. So the expectation, how you actually deliver the survey and that email and, and get them to go and click to it. And then they can go and complete it in a few moments by clicking, not typing. We call it clicking, not thinking. As soon as you see a big open text box to go and fill out, suddenly our brain thinks, oh, I need to think about the answer to that one. I'll go and think about it and come back later. When is later? Never. One of one of sort of yeah. mine and Kennedy's big jobs here, I suppose, is actually to work on this stuff about helping us and our clients to get better completion rates. So one of the things that came up one day was we said, well, actually, if you're going to send a survey out to somebody who's already on your list, is there any point in asking them for their email address again in the survey? Of course, you have to do it because otherwise we can't attribute it to them. But wouldn't it be better if they didn't have to type it out again because we've already got it? And you know that means they could type a different email address and now they're on the list twice. So we just said, okay, great. In that case, we need the functionality to pass somebody's email address through invisibly in a hidden field so they don't know it's there. And it just happens. And that, so, so we it's said, okay, great, question to let's admit that happen. We've just knocked off that piece of that question and a bunch of typing that somebody has to do. They can now literally click three radio buttons. Okay, good. Wouldn't it be good if we could make it so that the survey will auto advance so that every time somebody finishes answering a question, it moves to the next page with the they next question. They don't have question. to click the next. So they don't have to click the next button. That's, a, that's one click removed. And so our big goal really, I mean, obviously we see thousands of surveys a day. And so our, uh, we can't keep up with the number of submissions that come in through those surveys. So we're sort of constantly monitoring the data about what gives you a bump in completion rate. But typically, we're sort of aiming to help our clients get sort of 75, 80% completion rates. That's fascinating because I wouldn't ex have expected the numbers to be high like, but as you said, I think the foreshadowing and pre-framing, there, there's a lot to that, um, that that can have a big impact. I think, yeah, if you capture people in their moment of enthusiasm, which they would have had, if they actually engaged with you and then at that point pre-frame it they're very very likely to continue that process with you i like that a lot so within response suite what sort of challenges do you have right now because nobody's business is all all roses where do you struggle most i think one of our challenges has always been uh 
find being there when somebody decides they need a survey platform because no one's looking for a no one's looking for what we do which is a survey platform that integrates with my email marketing system no one's looking for that specifically or particularly and so we have a big job in educating you know being invited to lovely podcasts like this one and uh, and getting to talk about it is, is the way we overcome it and i think one of the big challenges we had early on and i think far too long is we spent too long focusing on marketing rather than sales. And I think we have to remember in our businesses, marketing is the sexy, exciting stuff that, oh, our growth numbers are going up and our downloads of our podcast are going up and it all looks pretty and it's nice and people say nice things. Yeah. People never say nice things about being sold to particularly or about se- about sales processes, even if you're really good at it and really subtle with it. But it's sales that drive cash flow. It's sales that drive the business. And so... That that was that was a challenge for a while, but we're really to turn a significant corner in that. But we do have a motto, and we talk about it a lot on our social media, which is we're not trying to become the best at anything. We're not trying to be, even become better at anything. All we're trying to do is today be less <laughs> crap than we were yesterday. And literally, we're constantly just having conversations. Wouldn't it be slightly smoother if we did our meetings in that fashion? Wouldn't it be slightly smoother if we batched our work? Let's try that. Oh, that didn't work, quite work because of this. Let's try something else. So uh, we are constantly just looking to, again, be less crap with each of the individual little bits that we feel like are holding us back. So that really does lead me on very neatly to the podcast because you have your own podcast. And like you said, I mean, expect, promoting a SaaS product is potentially a very expensive game. Uh, and you are natural performers. So yeah, for anybody that hasn't listened to the podcast, tell us all about it. What is the email marketing show? Yeah, so the email marketing show came about because we realized people who will get the, the, the biggest group of people who will get the most value from Response Suite are people who are doing and want to do better email marketing because Response Suite is a survey platform integrated with email marketing platform. And since Rob and I have spent a long time doing email marketing, we got good at it because we probably, we, we enjoy it a lot. So we thought, why don't we talk about something we care about, something we can have fun with, because we've got a lot of experience and being around it a lot. We know lots of people in, and also is an audience of people who are predisposed to buying responsibly to improve their email marketing. So basically, we decided that why don't we every single week sit down in front of a microphone like we are right now and have a chat about email marketing? Why don't we record it, play some silly games, get some stupid, ridiculous jingles made, have a laugh, use the fact that we're entertainers, which means we like to have a chat rather than sit and write in blog posts because we're not natural born writers, but we're natural born chatters. So we can have a chat, talk about something we care about, which predisposes people to our product and that's what we've done. And the response has been great because we get listeners involved and, and all that sort of good stuff. So yeah, so it's theemailmarketingshow.com is where people can go and find out about it if you want to have a listen to it and uh, let us know what you think. And it's a very polished and very entertaining show. And anybody listening to this show will almost certainly like that one. I think when I start working with clients at pretty much any level, what's almost universal is that they entirely underestimate the importance of their email marketing. Um, I've, I've read varying statistics, but almost universally, the statistics will say 50% plus of sales in any business that's taking online seriously are driven through the email. So email marketing, if you're not active with it, you really need to be. And the level of sophistication and filtering that you allow will make everything easier. Sure. 
if, if you and if you're in that place right now where you're thinking i'm a bit overwhelmed with it or i don't really get it or i don't really like it you know find some ways about about or find some ways to get inspired about it whether it's listening to our show where we'll hopefully as well give you the tools we'll give you the inspiration to give it a whirl as well um we're not particularly a show for strictly beginners but certainly a lot of beginners do get a lot of value out the show as well um, or find a, a place that we can go and get some expertise or some, get some inspiration about it. Rob and Kennedy from Response Suite, thank you so much for your time. You've been great guests. If people want to hear more about you, it's um, the emailmarketingshow.com. Have I got that right? That's right. A lot of people think segmenting is only for big companies and people with massive lists. Hopefully after listening to Robin Kennedy, you've found some enthusiasm to think a little deeper about segmenting your own email lists and how that can make your email marketing much more effective and much more relevant. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't already, to join our Facebook group. Again, just hit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. If you're a regular listener, then I would love for you to connect with me on social media. Just follow me on Instagram or Twitter where I'm at Bob Gentle. And if you do, then message me so I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It means a lot to me, and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Rob and Kennedy for giving me their time this week, and to you for listening. See you next week. Mm-hmm.